Welcome to Unity of Tucson. As I mentioned before, this is the third Sunday of Advent, and the theme is love. We have so far explored the themes of faith and hope, peace, and now love. And as we allow ourselves to also acknowledge this month's theme, how might each and every one of us be illuminated by and also illuminate the heart of faith and hope, peace and love in every moment, not just during the season of Advent, but throughout the year? I usually feel deeply reflective this time of year. Um, I don't know if that is true, although I feel like that is a common theme, feeling deeply reflective. Um, as the days grow darker, it's very perfect that you talked about, you know, at, uh, above the Arctic Circle, that you know, the sun uh, does not shine during the winter. And days do grow darker, even though we're a lot closer to the equator here. When I lived in Canada, we had extremely long days of darkness. Um, I wasn't quite at the Arctic Circle, but it was, it was quite dark in the, in the winter. And so we, I find myself being reflective in this idea that it is my decision in every moment to choose to shine the light, to choose to shine the light of faith and hope, to choose to shine the light of peace, to choose to shine the light of love. And that ultimately, I believe, is what the Christmas season is all about. And it's not just Christmas. Many traditions have celebrations uh, related to light this time of year. Hanukkah just ended on Friday night. And the, you know, the word Hanukkah means to, a dedication to dedicate, to dedicate. It's a dedication practice. And so to what might we dedicate ourselves today, tomorrow? beyond just the experience of December. Do you want me to pick up a handheld? <laughs> We're good? <laughs> the light atop a Christmas tree. You know, we light things. We, 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 we create decor that is rooted in light. We light candles. Um, we light the fire. Even on a fake TV screen behind, like... <laughs> A fake mantle. And I want to, th let me just acknowledge for a moment, I am so grateful to my father and to Wally for putting this together for a Broadway Christmas. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the set that was up here, a lot of people said, oh, you should keep the set for, you know, for the Sundays following. And, and, and I really tried to consider how that would work and just the practicality of it because we had taken stuff off the stage. We just couldn't make it work. So maybe we'll arrange it for next year in some fashion. Then you can all be sitting on a couch instead of chairs next year. <laughs> anyway, so we have the light. It's a season where we really look at the construct and the concept of light. Light is a consistent metaphor this time of year. Thursday coming up is the solstice, right? What they call up in the Northern Hemisphere the shortest day of the year. Well, actually, the day 
isn't any longer or shorter. The day is the length of a day. We just have less sunlight here, and so they call it the shortest day of the year. But the solstice also is the turning point. And past the solstice, the light begins to return. The sun begins to seemingly make its way further north in the sky. Here's the deal, though. Light was never actually gone. It was just our perspective, where we were placed, that it made it seem like the light was gone. The light is never actually gone. In what way might your perspective on your own illumination, your own shining of light, make it seem sometimes like the light is gone, but it never actually is? When I talk about the peace candle being a consistent illumination of peace, that it is a reflection of the consistent illumination of peace in our own hearts, that's what I'm talking about. We, each and every one of us have an inner light, but what is it that causes us to lose perspective and dim it? We may dim it occasionally, but it is always, always, always there. And one of the things I really delight in is that it is in community that I can step into remembering that sometimes. I am grateful for community, holding each and every one of us up to and as the light, reminding us that we each and every one of us have a light to shine. And in scripture, you know, we are told, do not put your light under a bushel. Shine it forth, light it so the world can see. Because it does no good when you hide it. Your light doesn't, if you hide your light, you are doing no one any good. Can you get behind that? Good. Because I think that too frequently we are taught by society, oh, I must diminish myself. I must hide my light for whatever reason. I don't know what that's all about, but I am done with it. Shine your light. And if you ever forget, please join us back here to be in a community that will live in the constant reminder that your light is entrusted to you from the divine essence that is so that you can shine it forth. That's, that's, if, if I were to separate and use dualistic language to say that God is something out there, which I'm going to do for a moment, you know how I feel about that, but I'm going to do it for a moment just to make the point. God trusted you to shine your light. So if you ever find in any way that you are diminishing yourself, I'm going to now quote Bob Newhart in that Mad TV sketch, stop it. <laughs> if you don't know that sketch, look it up. Bob Newhart, Mad TV. <laughs> How do you choose to see community? That, that, that is kind of the next. So if we're talking about the nature of being in community as a reminder that we can shine our light, how do you choose to see and understand community? And I'm talking about community both great and also small. Like community is community. Community can be three people. Community, a community can be two people. A community can be 120 people. A community can be a million people. How do you choose to see and experience community? Something to think about. Do you choose to see community as a culmination and an expression of light shining forth with the realization of unity and wholeness? Or do you take time out of your day to see it through the perception of cracks and the broken places? I get lost in that sometimes. Yes, even me. 
You know, the frequent, the, the, the frequent times I get lost in that is when I'm driving in my car. And you think I'm going to talk about other drivers, but I'm not. But I'm driving in my car, and I have a tendency to, you know, cycle through the Sirius XM radio stations, and I've got my presets there. And, you know, there's, um, there's the, like, the, the 2010s music, which is appealing to my husband, and then I have, like, the 80s station, which is appealing to me, and then I have the new wave station, which is appealing to me, and then I have the Broadway station right there. <clears throat> and then the last two on that, on that screen are uh, news stations that's when I end up seeing the cracks and the perception of challenge and the perception of less than and the perception of things that we can take on and we can begin to believe that stuff that we're hearing in the news. And if we believe it, we experience it. Because seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. What we believe, we will begin to see in the world. So what is it you believe? What is it you believe? It's easy to see the cracks. They seem demonstrated all around us when we focus on the darkness. Yet like the light never actually goes away, our innate wholeness can never be unwhole. I made that word up. It can never be unwhole. So today, shine the light of love and forgiveness. I said I was going to talk about forgiveness today. The second aspect of our mission statement is forgive everything. And people come to me sometimes like, that's a tall order. Because I can see places in my life where I don't want to forgive. I want to restructure the idea of forgiveness for you. So I'm going to first acknowledge how I understand forgiveness. This is what I think forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the highest form of self-love. Forgiveness is freeing yourself from the past. Forgiveness is infinite willingness. And here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting, it is not condoning, and it is not an opportunity to act in a self-righteous manner or decide to be a martyr. Forgiveness is about yourself. It ultimately has nothing to do with anything out there. Even if the, per even if the perception is it has to do with that person because I'm going to bestow my forgiveness on them, that's being self-righteous, that's being a martyr. You don't bestow forgiveness on anyone. No one, no one requires your forgiveness. Your forgiveness is for you to experience so that you can step into the expression and experience of self-love to free yourself and to be infinitely willing to know the truth. Ultimately, the truth is this. You are the power which is. You are the creative power of the universe embodied as you. And so what will you choose to do with that today? Emmett Fox offers us this. No, he doesn't. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to tell you what the, because I don't think that the, uh, I think that the uh, slideshow, um, no, I had slides in there, but they would not be, that's our, that's our benediction song. So I'm just going to tell you what the slide was supposed to say. Um, Emmett Fox says this, as long as you aren't forgiving, you are connected by a hook stronger than steel. 
As long as you aren't forgiving, you are connected by a hook stronger than steel. You are tied down, you are held, and you cannot grow beyond. So here's how I reframe the idea of forgiveness to allow myself to be free. What is forgiving? Break the word down. What is it you are for giving? What I am for giving is love. I am for the giving of love. That's how I choose to step into forgiveness. Now, oftentimes we equate the idea of forgiving with forgetting, but forgetting, we may be trying to derive or get love by stepping into what we call forgiveness, by saying, I'm going to forget that this ever happened. And we try to get somebody to align with us in that way. If I forget, maybe I will be worthy of your love. I am forgetting. So you don't need to forget. Because here's the thing. Maya Angelou invited us to remember. If someone shows you who they are, believe them. The first time. Forgiving is forgiving of love. That's what I stand for. That's what I stand for in every interaction I have. I choose to be forgiving of love, to give love of myself. Now, there's a paradox. There's a paradox to address. The paradox is this. When we love only and we remember who we are, those aspects of our mission statement, when we love only and we remember who we are, the paradox is this. What is there to forgive? What is there to forgive? Because the construct of forgiveness also is usually rooted in feeling slighted or disrespected. What is there to forgive when we know who we are? What is there to forgive when we love only? What if, what if we realized that we can only require forgiving others when we find ourselves having taken having taken what they offered in the first place that requires forgiveness. We had to take it. And we usually take it when we forget who we are and we feel less than. Then we are willing to put up with bad behavior. So that's when we have to step into the practice of forgiving. We can only require forgiveness if we take what other people are offering in the first place that is not in accordance or alignment with our highest thought or understanding about ourselves. That's a hard thing, I think, for many people to hear. But it's also a call to each and every one of us to begin to look out and say, what is it? What is it that I perhaps am continuing to take upon myself that I am willing to accept in my life that is not in alignment or accordance with what I would like to experience in my life? All forgiveness ultimately is self-forgiveness. I believe this. Do you? I suggest that the need to forgive the self is only necessary when we don't know who we are. If we forget who we are, that is when we end up missing the mark, which is how we talk about the construct and the concept of sin in this philosophy. Missing the mark. And we are not punished for our sins. We are punished by our sins because as we miss the mark in mind and in heart and in belief, as we miss the mark, then we experience in the world of form that which is in alignment with the missed mark. 
And we think, oh, God has brought upon me this horrible thing in my life, and now it's because I'm a sinner. No, you are not a sinner. You get to decide something new. Sin, as we all maybe have heard, or many of us have heard, is self-inflicted nonsense. I would love to have coined that, because <laughs> it's brilliant but it's not. If we forget who we are, one of the things that we tend to do as well is we begin to make up stories. Ooh, we make up stories about how we are righteous to fill in the gaps of the unknown information that exists. If we forget who we are, we can, uh, we can act in unloving ways. The concept of forgiveness ultimately, I think, is rooted in need. We think we need something, but what if we didn't need anything? What if we didn't need anything? Neil Donald Walsh reminded me once God doesn't need to forgive because God doesn't need anything. We teach in this philosophy that we are that power, we are that presence, we are the light, we are the life, we are God expressed at the level of our understanding and acceptance of it. You know, when I say, when I say this every single week that we are that power, we are that presence, I'm not saying we are the wholeness of it, no. We are our use of it. We are the understanding of it at the level of our understanding of it. So if God doesn't need to forgive anything because God doesn't need anything, and we are that greatness on demand, we are God, each and every one of us, then perhaps we can begin to acknowledge that we don't need to forgive because we don't need anything. We don't need anything because as the divine power and presence, we already have and are equipped with everything we could require in the expression and experience of our lives. God doesn't need anything because God is everything, including us. If God is our core identity, how might we reconcile that we think we need anything? We are taught to need. We are taught to need because we have been given a steady diet since birth of you are not worthy, you are less than. That's what we've been fed most of our lives. And then we find ourselves walking into spiritual centers like this, where I am up here saying, you are not a sinner. You are worthy. You are the light. Shine it brightly. And we go, ooh, that feels really uncomfortable, and it feels pretty blasphemous. <laughs> but it's only because we have been taught something else. If God is infinite, how can we consider ourselves separate from the infinite? We're not. We are part of all that is. We have developed our sense of self-worth defined by an erroneous sense of limitation by ingesting all that life has had to offer that says that to us. And of course, you know me, I always say, yes, the news is pretty bad, but you know what's even worse? Stop listening to advertisements because they, they thrive on telling you how horrible your life is. Your life is horrible and the only thing that can fix you is this. 
yeah. I'm so, I'm so grateful for streaming services now that I don't have to watch TV commercials anymore in my life. If we want to change, if we want to change the sense of limitation, if we want to change our innate sense of limitation that we perhaps may be still carrying, even those of us who have done a lot of work, I still feel the limitation ideas popping through sometimes. If we want to change it, we would do well to stop walking around with the consciousness of, well, it's just who I am. It's not who you are. Because the more you say that, the more you might as well end every thought and idea of that ilk by saying, and so it is, amen. Because what you think is the prayer that shows up as the construct and experience of your life. And so if you are looking to shift or change your life in a different direction, in a new direction, then I invite you to catch those thoughts as they happen. Say, wait a second. That is a thought that is not in alignment with what I know to be true about myself. And so, I know who I am. I, have, I, I, I need nothing because I know who I am. And I am going to express love only. Period. End of sentence. And so it is. Amen. Form follows faith. What I'm talking about today is ultimately stepping into a greater sense of faith of knowing who you are, remembering that you are love. If you know who you are, the form of your life follows. That's the fundamental premise of the entire philosophy. Disbelief. Disbelief creates the quality of a demonstration. And so the degree to which I disbelieve is the degree to which my experience, my demonstration of life is in accordance with that disbelief. And so if I am really in the place of disbelief, well, then my life demonstration may not be so great. But if I choose to step into belief, then what I am choosing to do is to step into a greater expression and demonstration of life. I had an experience this past week. Um, if you were at the Friday night concert, you will know that I sang a song, a song called I Don't Remember Christmas. Now, the nature of this song is it's kind of like a runaway train. You start the song, and it is a gazillion lyrics that are all done in two and a half minutes. It's a short song. It's only two and a half minutes. There are so many lyrics in this song. And on Monday, I came to the rehearsal that we had on Monday, and I had been working and working and working to try and memorize this song. I was, like, struggling to memorize this song. My gosh, I'm, oh, I don't believe I'm ever going to remember this song. Ah, you hear that? So I come to the rehearsal thinking, I don't believe I'm ever going to remember this song. And you know what? It was a wreck on Monday at the rehearsal. I had to have my phone out with all the lyrics on it just so we could get through the rehearsal. And at the end of the rehearsal, I thought to myself, wait a second, you're a new thought minister. You know better than this. I said, if you believe that you're not going to sing that song properly or correctly from memory, then that is exactly the experience you're going to have. So I turned my mind around. And I said, I choose to acknowledge the fact that this is not an insurmountable task, that this is something that is part of who I am, and I will sing that song accurately, and I don't need to worry about having lyrics in front of me because I know what I know. And what happened on Friday night? Sang it like that. So up-leveling my belief in myself and in my expression is what led to a greater demonstration in the experience of life. You get it? We can apply this in every area of our experience. So what do we do? 
What do we do? What if we believed more wholeheartedly in love only and give in to the nature of love? Because love points the way. We can be pointing the way for all humanity by being love, giving into the nature of love and believing at the core of our being that we are love and we are worthy of the expression and experience of love because love points the way, the law makes the way possible, the law of mind action, the law of cause and effect, I don't care what you call it, the law is the outpicturing, the flow of all that is. We are the outflow of God's inflow and we have choice in how that outflow looks and the question should never be, why does God allow? It should always be, why do we allow any of this other garbage to be a part of our experience? I am ready to be done with it. And I choose to let the manner of being done with it be expressed in this way, by being loving, gracious, and kind. So that is how I invite us all to point the way. In what way might we be more loving, gracious, and kind today to ourselves and to others? I have the answer. Remember who you are. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. William, I thought I was going to address this, and I didn't. That'll be another talk. (laughs) The homework today, uh, if you are new to our community, I choose to give homework every week. It is your, I don't don't grade it. I don't invite you back the next week and say, did you do your homework? Um, The homework I offer is a way that I invite you to make practical the spiritual philosophy that we teach. And so I invite you to be active in the practice of what it is we teach. So this week, what I would like us to do, last week was about random acts of kindness, right? This week, I want us to take time in each moment to catch ourselves. Is there anyone here? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. I was about to, is there anyone here who is... Just check in with yourself. Are you feeling any level of holiday stress? We're a week away from Christmas Eve. You feeling any? uh, I heard it. Someone just said, don't say it. (laughs) Right? There's something in that. Take time in each moment to catch yourself. If you're feeling that holiday stress, to allow yourself to redirect, to be gentle, kind, and compassionate. To allow yourself to be gentle, kind, and compassionate with yourself and with others to be the demonstration of love. In Scripture, 1 Corinthians, we are invited to be patient, to be kind, to be not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, but to be love. Part of this is to not be reactionary when others are unkind. You may run into that. You get to decide in every given moment how you will choose to be proactive in demonstrating your love, your grace, and your kindness. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, 
unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.